The peace of the Lord be with you always. Thank you. This saying has been spoken in the church for thousands of years. The sharing of the peace has become a ritual for many, yet others do not prefer it. The sharing of the peace has historically been a part of the Lord's Supper liturgy. Believe it or not, some congregations still shake hands and pass the peace as part of their service, telling one another, peace be with you. I'm, of course, poking a little fun at us as we do this on occasion to share the peace with one another. In reality, the sharing of the peace has become more of a gesture in the church, kind of like asking, how you doing? And expecting that pat answer of, I'm fine. But the beginning of sharing of the peace has its roots in Jesus' own words on this night before his death and on the day of his resurrection. He wanted his disciples to know that while he was going to his death on the cross, he would rise again, and with it he would bring true peace. And that all who share in the common belief in Jesus Christ also share in this common peace. The giving of the peace of Christ goes back to that very first Easter morning when Jesus appears to his disciples behind locked doors and he tells them two times, peace be with you. He then bestows onto them the Holy Spirit and the office of the keys, which is the ability to forgive sin by his authority and in his name. And he sends them out into the world to share this good news. In the early church, the sharing of the peace was an extremely important part of gathering together. To them in that time, the peace of God was a very real and understood thing, not just a gesture. It was something shared by everyone and received by everyone. There was no passing by or withholding of forgiveness in the gathering of community. If two people did not share the peace, the service liturgy stopped until those two could reconcile and share the peace with one another. Then the liturgy would begin again. To those that have no knowledge of the need of forgiveness of sin, there can truly be no peace. But to those that recognize their sinfulness and the separation from God, these words can be the truest and sweetest words that we can ever hear. Because they contain the whole of God's heart of his grace and his mercy. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. So our gospel for this, this sixth Sunday in Easter finds us in this section of John's gospel called Jesus' farewell discourse. This text from John's point of view lays out the events that occurred on the night before Jesus' arrest but John's description of these events are a little bit different than we get from the other Gospels. But it still does bestow Jesus speaking his own last will and testament to his disciples, to his betrayers. Dr. Steve Paulson describes this text this way. Jesus now speaks to those betrayers in a most comforting way. Preparing them for what it means to be a preacher of his word what it means to live by faith, and promising the comforter. Jesus again tells his disciples what will happen in the hours and days ahead, and then he promises them a presence, an advocate, the Holy Spirit, that will be here beyond his time here. 
It comes in the presence of the Holy Spirit given to the church after Jesus' ascension. And we still actually exist in this time in the church today. He promises the Holy Spirit to guide the church and each of us individually. Luther tells us in the small catechism that the work of the Holy Spirit is to call, gather, enlighten us to the gospel and keep us in true faith. And as I was thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit as it is laid out in Jesus' own words, I found a particular challenge in Jesus' words at the opening line of this text. Those who love me will keep my word, and right away he counters it with those who do not love me do not keep my word. And as I was reading in preparation for this week, I encountered a challenge myself. Am I keeping Jesus' word? Because really, there is no gray area here. You are or you're not. We convince ourselves and like to believe that there is a wide spectrum of understanding to keeping Jesus' word. And throughout the history of the church, we have tried to interpret Jesus' words, his ministry, and especially his commands to us in light of our own lives and our own understanding. And while God's word does speak to us and into parts of our lives, is it progressive? Meaning, does, it, does the meaning of it change as culture changes? I feel that this might be one of the greatest challenges in living as believers in Jesus Christ in the modern world, and especially considering our modern human existence. We like to think that we can twist Jesus' words and teaching to fit our own way of thinking and the way we live our, our lives and we think that we can wiggle out of the demand of his commandments that certainly require forthrightness, clarity, and a certain way of living. Jesus doesn't really mean love my neighbor as he has loved me, does he? I mean, it was different in that time than it is now. Or maybe I don't think that, but surely a lot of other people do in search of any loophole that might get them off the hook for actually living Jesus' words. It doesn't take much to look around and see or hear the hypocrisy of those that say they keep Jesus' words, and yet their words, and especially their actions, for that matter, in no way reflect what Jesus has spoken or that we read in the Scriptures. In fact, the mirror reveals this hypocrisy to me every morning. How is it as believers in Jesus Christ that we live in a world as divided as we are if we are keeping Jesus' words? Do you simply just look away? Do you remain silent? What is the fear that binds you in your silence? Or is it just apathy? Now the contrast to apathy is to find yourself oppressed by the views or the beliefs of someone else. And at some point we must see and know that there are certain truths about Jesus' ministry and his message to us that are not up for discussion or debate. There are certain truths that are not a matter of a difference of opinion. There are certain truths that simply must be said to counteract sinful behavior, 
and to counteract the mainstream culture's maliciousness towards each other. Not just immorality, but Jesus' words must be spoken to truly fight against evil itself. We actually profess this each time we're gathered around the baptismal font. Do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God, the powers of this world that rebel against God, and the ways of sin that draw you from God? And normally I hear a pat answer of I renounce them. But while you may orally renounce them, do you live them? Do you believe it? Do you speak it? I was thinking as we take pause this weekend and remember and honor those men and women that have died for the freedoms and rights that we shared. I believe this is one example of where we see Jesus' words lived out in the witness of these people, not only to renounce evil, but to put their lives on the line to defend against it. And in reality, keeping Jesus' word in our modern culture can be just as death-dealing for any one of us. Because the world rejects Jesus Christ, the world silences his word, And this is not unlike what the disciples experienced after Jesus' ascension. It is no accident that these words appear as Jesus' farewell discourse. Keeping Jesus' words is the only thing that makes it possible for the disciples to get past his arrest and his crucifixion. And keeping Jesus' words is the only thing that will make it possible to withstand the rejection that comes when you confess Jesus Christ. Jesus knows what he's talking about. He knows how important this is going to be, that we should anticipate the same, and perhaps therein lies our reluctance to follow through with what Jesus has asked of us and with what the world needs to hear from us. Keeping Jesus' words really means giving witness in ways that might be seen as unpopular or countercultural. There's not usually a whole lot of power in marginalized voices, voices from the outside of the mainstream voice at least, not the kind of power that the world seeks or demands or worships. And when we are honest, truthfully, we're no different in our own wants and our own desires. Keeping our powerful places is more important than keeping Jesus' words. Keeping our comfortable places in the category of being well-liked is more important than keeping Jesus' words. Keeping the status quo so as not to upset the proverbial apple cart is more important than keeping Jesus' words. Does this bear any resemblance to our gathering today? It is well known that we as a body have not always gotten along. We have not always had peace with one another. Even within our congregation, there have been persons that will not speak to one another, that will not share the peace with one another. There are people that when they speak, it is offensive and disrespectful. And yet we gather week after week. We come. Don't we know what we're doing? 
If we want the Lord's forgiveness but will not forgive our brother or sister or even give them respect, what shall we expect from God? We actually learn this in the basic teaching of the Lord's Prayer. We ask God to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Jesus taught that we are to forgive our brother and sister not only seven times, but 70 times seven times. We are always to forgive those who ask for our forgiveness. To withhold this is to decline the Lord's forgiveness for ourselves. In the Easter season for the Christian church, it is filled with peace and joy in the Lord. Jesus' death for our sins brings peace where there was once only guilt, and the news of his resurrection as it is spread is remembered in the preaching of the Easter words that ring still in our ears, he is risen. Yes, the time of Easter should be one of joy and peace. And that peace must be shared among us and between us. Wherever there is division and bad feelings, the peace of the Lord must replace it. And we cannot celebrate the peace of Easter and still hold a grudge against a fellow brother or sister. If so, we are only imagining peace of the Lord. Sure, we can shake a hand, we can mumble a few words, but if there's not forgiveness in the heart, we don't have the peace of Christ. Jesus reminds us today that his words cannot be heard for the truth they tell unless they are spoken and they are heard. True peace is not possible without that. And Jesus calls you through his word today to be his disciples and a witness of his love for the whole world a world that he came into in the flesh to live under the burden of humanness. A world that longs for peace, but because of our human condition, it is not possible by any other means than by faith. And so he has promised and has sent his Holy Spirit into your midst. And he has gathered you today so that you would hear his word for you and that that word might well up faith in you. Jesus Christ gives you himself in his words so that you would specifically know in his body and blood telling you again that your sins are forgiving, past, present, and any in the future. And in that declaration of forgiveness, sin, death, and the devil have no claim on you. And that when you trust in this forgiveness and that it is for you, well now, you are keeping Jesus' words. knowing that you have been completely forgiven by God and that he will never forsake you is one of the most powerful pieces of knowledge that we can ever know. Because it gives strength to everything you do. It doesn't matter if you're working, if you're studying, if you're raising a family, or if you're lying in a bed in a nursing home with no hope of recovery Knowing that Jesus Christ died and rose to give you eternal life is one of the most peaceful pieces of knowledge that we know. It gives strength to cope in hardship. It calms a restless soul. It lifts the lowest spirit. And it is the only true peace that we will have in this earthly life. 
So go now. Tell this good news to the world. Make this word known in the ears of those around you. Keeping them in Jesus' word as well. And to keep his word is to know his peace. And the peace he has promised is the peace he gives. And when you have Christ's peace, you know his light. God's peace be with you all. Amen.